2: Stroke and TBI Recovery Simplified. I'm a clinical instructor and clinical researcher. I've co-authored dozens of scientific journal articles about brain injury recovery, and I'm also the author of the book, Stronger After Stroke.
0: I'm Deborah Battistella, occupational therapist, creator of the OT's Guide to Mirror Therapy, and an OT educator. I have a lot of experience working with survivors. Most of my clinical practice has been in a certified stroke center. Pete and I are especially interested in talking about what rehab, neuroscience, and clinical research all have to say about the brain and recovery. But don't worry, our job is to make this stuff simple.
2: We're here to make it so that everyone, clinicians, clinical students, caregivers, and most importantly, the survivor, understands what it takes to leverage their great neuroplastic brain for recovery.
3: I just hope if there's anybody that's listening that wants to open their own clinic, do it. It's going to suck. It's going to be hard. But do it because one day your life does end, and it's better to look back and say I tried and I failed, or I tried and I jumped and it worked, and it's working. It, it started off so small, and there was no finances behind it. The thought process behind starting it would, but I never knew the amount of work it would take, and people just kept walking into my life that made it where it is today. So I might have had the idea, but the therapist that came in made it what it is, and the fact that we're able to treat one-on-one and do the best that we can um, has made all the difference. And so I-, I hope someone out there listening just understands that you are blessed to do a certain job and you'll be a blessing to somebody else. And at the end of your life, it'll make it all work.
2: I can't Nothing even record. that you don't want the world to know. <laughs>
3: are we recording we're recording let's do this yeah we're recording yeah
2: well welcome back everybody and we'll be here for another three or four hours so this should go well
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah i'm down i'm down let's do this you guys might be here (laughs) 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 the extrovert is just
0: getting started let's do this (laughs) speaking of those boundaries where is the spotlight (laughs) turn it on me
2: We had Bob Teasel, who is the director of everything regarding stroke and brain injury in all seven provinces. Are there seven provinces? I forget. Um, let's say. Wait, Jenica should know this.
3: I was six months old. I couldn't even talk yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. five. There you go. Um, I don't know how many provinces, but he's the director of everything. And on our, our podcast, he talked a lot about primers, brain primers. These simple things you could do. They can't get complicated. Like one brain primer is. A repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation, and another one is direct electrical stimulation to the brain. So let's just leave those out of it. But do you guys, it's mirror therapy, action observation, bilateral training, mental practice. I'm wondering, I know you guys probably do those. How do you introduce something like that to a patient? And is there any way that you can help them do it while they're at home where a lot of this stuff sort of needs to be done?
3: So on day one, with anyone that comes in with this stroke, and they have uh, a Fugelmeyer, maybe a score of, I don't know where these numbers come from. I think it's just something that I can sense over time, but a score around 40. Yeah. What's the overall score finalized? 63 points on the Fugelmeyer? I think
2: it's 66.
3: 66, that's 40,
2: it. 40 be doing pretty well.
3: Yeah. So ours, our folks are coming in at a higher level, right? So if they're coming in at a 40, yes. The very first thing that I want to do, especially if there's any sensation issues too, is I have a recording that I made sitting out in my car one morning and I um, airdrop that to them. <laughs> and it's a, um, what is it you said? Mental imagery. No, that's not right. What are the recordings
2: you have on your website too? Yeah. Mental practice or imagery. Mental. Yeah. yeah.
3: No, mental imagery. And it's one about holding a cup. And so we listen to it together and then I explain the rationale behind it. Um, and now that you've got yours on your website, I will direct them to your website as well for that because nobody likes to hear their own voice. Um, and so we talk about that right away with the um, mirror box. I was a little hesitant to send that home because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to make all these mirror boxes. I'm not good at putting those things together. But then I saw Pete, again, you have a very simple way of using some stuff from like Home Depot and Staples. So I'm going to employ that better as well. But every time I have them do something, we try it and then I explain the rationale and then we try it again to see if they understand and they can improve their performance. You encourage them
2: to do it at home?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Whatever we can take at home, and it always depends. Of course, it depends on where they are. You know, if we're if, if day one they come in and we've got some scapular dysfunction, we're going to start with some scapular range of motion or whatever plane is provides the best motion. Um, but I always want to try to employ that wrist and hand in whatever capacity I can, even if it has to be the dreaded paper holder where it's just heavy big lump to hold papers down we still want to make sure that they're using it so they have their awareness and turn on that side of the brain so it works better one day we hope
2: deb it was you that was talking about how mirror boxes sometimes are tough because they move around too much or what was there did you do you like mirror boxes did i get that wrong
0: oh i don't like the boxes. well i don't really like the boxes oh you don't no i have um I have one that's on a stand that's got like two little feet and it just stands upright. Hmm. So it's easy to put the hand behind it because there's nothing in the way, but I make those triangular ones, the ones that you fold and uh, they're super easy to make. And But I don't, I don't think that was me, Pete.
2: It wasn't you. No. I know some of the the earlier studies with VS. Ramachandran were done with a box. It was like it was like a shoebox and a shoebox next to each other, and you could hide one hand. And yeah, okay. Well, let's skip that. Um, what about mm, action observation? Is that, is that interesting to you guys at all? It
3: is interesting and I have not employed it. Have you, Suzanne? I
1: honestly don't even know what you're talking about.
3: So you do, um, like- when we, in the course, it was um, a video of a person walking up and downstairs. Mm-hmm. And so you, the person, the person that's had the stroke watches another person do an activity. And yeah. so you're observing the action basically, right. and it just fires up that brain. Uh, so what I do all the time. Okay. See, she just doesn't know how to name it. Even <laughs> one of us know how to name it. We just, we just well, you're know not a speech
2: therapist. Come on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I think part of it is you can look at a person and kind of know what's going on. And we don't always have our words anymore because both of us is, I would say both of us are very good about not using medical lingo yeah. in front of our clients. And so sometimes over time you forget, what you know what you're doing, but you don't know what to call it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so action observation uses mirror neurons. It's those neurons that are scattered throughout the brain that help us empathize with each other. So if if your kid's playing soccer and he's standing in front of the goal and he kicks it, your body moves with him. And the muscles fire minutely, and the brain activates in the same place on your brain that it activates on their brain. And the way Bob Tiesel is talking about it, it's a primer. It literally primes the brain. It's much like um, mental practice. You're using the same part of the brain that you would for that movement. And then when they need to use that part of the brain for the movement, it's there or it's up there a little bit more. Okay. No,
0: Pete, the way you talk about it makes it just seem so logical. No, Suzanne does it all the
3: time. Hey, watch me. Okay, sit there and watch me. <laughs> this is what I want you to do. Watch me.
1: And I, one of my superpowers, I have two. One is that I can understand disarcerate speech. The second one is that one. I can I can mimic walking patterns. And so I'll say to the patient, this is what you look like. I don't look like that. And yeah, you kind of do. Here's what I want it to look like let Me show you again. Let's try that. So, and then, if they don't believe us, we record them. Right. <laughs> give me your phone. Get your wife in here. Have her record you so I can stand by so you don't fall. Let's record this and see what you look
2: like. What's your, what is your guys' perspective on spasticity? Is, is there something that's a go to tool? What is it that you kind of Look at first, and how do you deal with it? And what about soft tissue shortening um, when it and contracture? What's that whole bundle of suckiness?
3: <laughs> well, I'm going to say a bunch of stuff, but I know you say the studies are that disagree with it. But from day one, we do um, utilize the modified Ashworth, or at least I do. Um, I, I don't know, Suzanne, do PTs do it as much? Yeah, not as much. Okay. Okay.
1: I, I do if it's real spastic, but otherwise, yeah, yeah that's not
3: functional. I yeah, <laughs> I always want to know what it is from, from day one. And, uh, yeah, I guess I can't with, with our hands. I definitely do want to have a resting nighttime orthosis and the rationale behind me wanting that is, um, We don't want anybody to end up contracted or with skin breakdown. So just some real basic, comfortable stuff to wear at night. Um, I completely changed my tune after listening to y'all's podcast regarding spasticity and reading the book. Um, I had forgotten that I had learned that cold is, is usually more effective. I had simply forgotten that. So it was a good reminder to receive from you. And the neuroplastic changes with high repetitive practice are also being employed now at this clinic. And that's also trickling down to my new graduate OT. So that's good. Um, So lately the good news is, is the spasticity that the patients coming in haven't been so spastic. So I'm kind of grateful for that, but I do feel like I have newfound knowledge to utilize when I'm confronted with that in the future.
2: Uh, have you guys tried the Sabo Stretch, that nighttime splint? What do you think of that?
3: I, I haven't tried that one yet. I just, what is that one... That's for active motion during the day. I don't know what they call that. The Sabo Did you say flex? yes? I think I just got that. Stretch and, that, and the flex. Yeah, and that's those things can be kind of hard to put on. I'll Are tell you kidding what.
2: Me? I took the course, and I we were going to do a study on it, and that's what got in the way was that.
3: Yeah, it really that's is. That's it is. Yeah. It really is. So, but the patient loves it. Oh, well, <laughs> the patient loves it. Yeah. So, and I love the squishy ball. Oh my gosh, my favorite thing ever. <laughs> the squishy ball to work on flexion and extension so yeah so what fun. you're trying
2: to do is re-establish brain control over those darn flexors correct and if you can do that then well that's good in and of itself but then the extensors start to show themselves mm-hmm. so mm, that's good
3: and so we do utilize some stretching right from the get-go um and a lot of that <sighs> hopefully in some nature is preventative for that soft tissue shortening but sending that home with the person so that they know what to do because then you have some innate active range of motion if they have any available to recruit
2: well i heard the hesitancy in your voice and if that has to do with being polite to me don't do it cuz what <laughs> you what you, you really think it was the cock a couple Cochrane reviews that came out that said that stretching didn't do this stuff but there's so much soft tissue in you have to do around something. in a joint. You you have to, and even if it's an um, not the agonist, but a, a, a synergistic in a good way muscle, that has to be stretched too. And that may not be spastic at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, stretch. Stretch is good.
3: Well, and, and when we do that again, when you when anybody walks out of my clinic, they better have something to do at home. They need to start owning it from day one. I cannot stress the importance of that. I'm not here to fix anybody, whether they've had a stroke or not. I'm going to give you all the tools and we're going to work hard in clinic, but you're going to go home and work just as hard. And so having that power, as soon as you walk out of here to say, okay, I can own this. I know what to do. This is where I need to start. And oh, okay, it's easy. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's cute. It's going to get harder, but <laughs> Start with start somewhere, and if it if it means stretch, then it means stretch. And and so many people come in, and they've had a I mean, it's a stroke. It's been a terrible traumatic event, and so they come in with their spouse, and their spouse still still early enough they like them. <laughs> they've just been an in inpatient rehab. They're happy. They're home. They want to help. You can show them how to help. And I think another thing that comes along with being a more seasoned therapist is. You can also say what not to do. Don't do this. This will cause more injury. Or if you see this, let me know immediately. That's a problem. Or um, you have the right questions to ask. The one I love to ask always is can you wipe your butt? (laughs) Because you know OTs love to do that. But when I have a, a you know, a married couple come in and somebody's having to wipe the other person's backside, we're gonna address that real quick too, because nobody wants that. So knowing the right questions to ask, knowing when to say, tell me immediately, if you see this, this is a problem. And teaching the entire family unit how to help the person recover
2: is is really important. Hey, you know, those toilets that will uh, squirt warm water. Those are
3: with- so cheap. Our patients love
2: them. But they're going to put you out of business. What are you guys going to be doing <laughs> when He's you don't so have that? I don't
0: at- think so. <laughs> well, do you just drip dry? I mean, how does that work?
2: <laughs> Some of them have like blow dryers, but that's like hey, in, yeah. in Japan. But Gross. <laughs> <laughs> blow dryer everything's everywhere
0: (laughs) can you imagine no it's a test no (laughs) all the nose nope well pants don't pull themselves down or up. that's true uh, that's true too
3: yeah Mm -hmm. although Uh, they have been in rehab three weeks so (laughs) pull the (laughs) pants never mind
2: Hey guys, I just wanted to step in here real quick to tell you about a continuing education course on spasticity that I'm doing. It's live virtually November 17th from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And that's Eastern time zone in the U.S. You can sign up for it by finding your way over to the fine folks at MotivationCEU.com. There's no spaces in there. Once you get on the website, find the search window, and just type Levine, L-E-V-I-N-E. If you search Levine, four courses will come up. One is on spasticity, and that's the one November 17th from 8 to 10 p.m. Then there's a three-part series that I'm doing on stroke recovery, and it'll have the dates for those as well. All these courses are done live initially, but if you can't make it, you can sign up for any of these courses and watch them whenever you want. The one on spasticity in November, I'll be talking about the same kinds of stuff that I talked about on the spasticity episode on this podcast, but there's gonna be images and videos, and it's going to be geared a little bit more towards clinicians. So there'll be a little bit more complexity, a little bit more depth, and a little bit more nomenclature. There'll also be some hands-on stuff, as much as you can do hands-on stuff virtually. And if you get to the live presentations, there'll be plenty of time to ask questions. But hey, it's going to be fun, and I hope to see you there. MotivationCEU.com. Thanks. okay let me throw out a couple other things give more do you ever use that um suzanne do you use give more
1: i've asked Jenica to give them to me occasionally if i have a patient who's up walking a lot um i also think those things have to come with an instruction manual to get them on properly. Oh uh, yeah. That must be an OT yeah. thing. I'm like, how the heck there's too many straps, but of the slings of the slings, that, the slings, that affordable, could been... affordable slings. Yeah. Yeah. It
2: is. That, not, it's not too expensive. I'm yeah. no, there's.
1: I don't hate it.
3: I do. Uh, you do. Yeah. We, we feel the same way. So they affect balance. I mean, at the end of the day, they're hard to put on, they affect balance, but if somebody's coming in, like the person I said that had multiple issues, um, I was talking about a male that had a stroke and he had fallen on an outstretched hand. So he had a massive shoulder injury one week before a stroke, right?
2: He fell on the unaffected side. He fell on the
3: affected side one week before he had a stroke. And then he has a stroke on the same side. So he's got some kind of major shoulder injury going on. Yeah. He was a fence jumper, literally. And so he was in a lot of pain. So he's subluxed and he's got some kind of orthopedic injury that he was heading that morning in to get the MRI. So he needed some kind of support like just something to not hurt with every step because it was he was perseverating on it. He I couldn't do anything else with him. So we would use that with him a little bit, but it really is patient based truly I, I don't love it though mm-hmm.
2: yeah you're,
3: you're gonna increase the risk of learned non- use So, but as far as subluxation goes number one I always love to play with the person's shoulder like is it one finger or two finger subluxation let's see <laughs> and so they're like oh wow is that a really good test like I'm like yeah it's a big medical test haven't you ever you know one thing but we we look at it I explain what's going on um, we Easton the heck out of it. And again, using the pad placement that's the most convenient for the family, um, I usually draw a picture of where the pad placement is on their shoulder using a magic marker. I will take a video. Um, we'll send it home with them and we'll get it to their comfort level. If we can start some isometrics or whatever they can tolerate exercise-wise, we'll do that too. And of course, just functional motion if it's available.
2: Do you guys counsel uh, patients or clients? Can we, how about if we call them clients? That works. Clations, clations or clients? Um, Clients is easier. They're compliant. (laughs) Uh, do you counsel folks on sleep at all or diet?
1: We, we do talk to them about sleep. Um, and I think that you discussed this in one of your other podcasts. There, the spouse usually comes in and says, my husband, it's usually the husband, never used to take naps before and he sleeps a lot. And while that after a while is not normal... <laughs> Initially, we say to them, that's normal, your brain needs to sleep, that's when we heal, that's when we build new memories. That's when we integrate the information that we learned that day. So if you need to take a nap, take a nap. You need to limit the time, you know, Um, you don't want to be awake all night. So, yeah, you go into a lot of that with patients, especially right when they get home from rehab, because everyone knows how restful it is to be in inpatient rehab. Oh, yeah. Yes. Because so much sleeping gets done there.
2: So much sleeping. So much sleeping. So
1: (laughs) So much. So they get home and their sleep cycles are really confused. So yeah, let's talk about that. Diet?
3: Yeah, diet, probably not as much. Um, But I've been working with a nutritionist for a couple months. So I've seen how important that is. So I'll definitely be implementing that as well.
2: Wait, you're working with one for you? I
3: am. And you know what? I've gained two pounds. it's yeah, my own fault. My own fault.
2: Does your um nutritionist know that you drink doc- Dr. Pepper? It's because diet. Of- oh, it's diet. Oh, <laughs> that's even,
3: that's it's even not worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I do. I do know how bad these are. But you know what? You got to have some. You got to have something.
2: <laughs> What I think is fascinating is you're drinking caffeinated Dr. Pepper at about seven o'clock your time uh, on a Friday night, right? So you're going to go out. You're going to party after this. I'm
3: going to party after this. I'm going to go to a a junior high play.
1: (laughs) Really? That's a wild time. What
3: (laughs) What did you say? She says you take drugs. (laughs) Yeah, you want some? But he would.
2: Okay, Uh, I got one last question and maybe Deb has five more questions. I don't know, but what can help reduce falls because they
3: Well, I'm going to start with OT and then do it to PT. I love doing home assessments. And again, I forget that I love doing them and I should offer them to everybody. But I love them. I mean, you can look at the most basic things. I, marking your steps, um, you know, with the striking visual cue to make sure that they see their steps at night because we know vision changes with aging. Um, putting your cups and plates down to a level that are increase that are easier for you to functionally reach them. Uh, sitting down to do your dishes in order to prevent fatigue and falls. But that's the part that I know is my job as an OT. The rest is a lot up to Suzanne unless it's vision.
1: Right. So I did listen to the podcast you guys did about falls and i
2: okay think, what did we miss
1: well it's not that you miss anything i just people fall Jenica and i fall all the time <laughs> i haven't fallen in the last year but Wait, I, what? seriously we fall every year one of us Probably has a fault, don't you think?
2: One was on the ice, right? You went to the wrong state. I was state. on
1: snow. It, yeah. I mean,
3: what, you don't know. the snow stuff doing? You know, there I don't know was, what that is. I was under the snow. I explained this. Oh, oh I forgot. I wasn't paying attention. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: you know, I, and I tell this to my older patients, do you have any glasses? I got a new pair of progressive lenses we left that day to go to Scotland. We're going down this set of spiral staircases in this old building in Edinburgh. I looked up to see what my kids were doing. I looked back down, looked through the wrong part of my glasses, missed the last two steps, fell, sprained my ankle really bad, fell. Of course, we're in Europe, so they're not worried about getting sued. They help me up. They put me on a couch and give me some ice and say, "Hmm, that's too bad.
2: Here's a Guinness.
1: (laughs) <laughs> her husband had that for. Her. Suzanne's
3: really, really practical though. So she talks to people, and we both do about making sure their their eyeglasses are are good. What kind of footwear are you wearing? How's the clutter in your house? Um how pay pets paying pets. attention. I think paying attention is the thing you harp on the most. Yes. Slow down and pay
1: attention. pay attention. But I also every single patient gets to do a floor transfer. Early on, because I had a patient, she was short and plump, she had Parkinson. she fell in her shower. So her husband, who's short and skinny, can't get her off the shower floor, he has to call EMS. Oh. I do not want to be naked on a shower floor when the good looking EMS guys come in to pick me up. So I tell people that story. I'm like, here's the thing. Everybody falls. Can you get back up? Oh, yeah, I can do that. Well, then show me. And sometimes they can, and sometimes they can't. So we problem solve. And then I have the spouse come in. And the first thing I say to people is, if you fall... Do not panic. You will never get up off that floor. And then EMS has to come in and you're naked on the floor. And anyway. Naked. 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 We say naked. naked. We're naked in Texas. Naked. Not
3: naked. Right.
0: <laughs> <knack it. laughs>
3: but we we do. I think that's probably the phrase that comes out of both of our mouths the most is show me, show me, yeah. show me, show me. You say you can do it. Show me. Let's do it. Show me. Right. And then I watch and I go, oh, you're not using your lumber poles. Oh, you you have no extensor strength. Oh, and once, they, once I can say, you're not doing that typically. And, and again, they might not believe me. And the biggest one, right, Pete, is always elbow extension. I don't know what the deal is with that. But I will have the clients roll a weighted ball up a bolster and the affected arm, the elbow never wants to extend and they have no power, right? Because they're basically trying to push a 10 pound ball up a hill. And so I say, what do you think's wrong? And they go, I don't know. And then I record them and I show them like, Oh, I'm not even pushing my arms, not extending. And they do it again and they've got it right away. So I love recording. I love doing that. But anyway, we were talking about falls. I went down my own rabbit hole, whatever. <laughs> we like
0: <laughs> rabbit holes, but- and left turns. And-
3: <laughs> I mean, I just, I think if you ask anybody, show me, mm-hmm. then you can see so much like cognitive part yes you can pick up on that real quick oh yeah i can do it and they do it and they and they do it in a way where you're like wow that was bad (laughs) let's do that again yeah it's so fun it's the best job ever
0: yeah so we haven't talked about um you having a speech therapist at your clinic
3: we do so she is
2: Oh, you mean Karen Seven. Ross?
3: Karen Ross, yes. That's right. She's 70-something. And so I think the charm with Karen is that she treats a lot of people the same age as her as she is. So that that always makes her laugh and, and me laugh. Um, but what I think is really phenomenal about her is she still utilizes strategies that sound like they're old, but... Pete just put a Facebook post up about music, right? And I saw his little question. He's like, what music is the most effective? And before I even read the answer, I was like, I'm going to take a wild hair and say the one with words that you like, right? So things that Karen will do uh, when it comes to aphasia, especially with aphasia, is she tells them to use a sing-song voice. And um, hymns, a lot of a lot of hymns are being sung. Um, I always think it's more fun to teach them how to cuss again because that's a different part of the brain. <laughs> I'm not the speech therapist, so what do I know?
2: Cuss therapy. They? Cuss. Cuss therapy.
3: <laughs> they can always do it. But um, she's she just uses very very practical strategies, and and that's part of the charm is that, and I think we all do at the clinic is that. We're all old enough that none of us have to compete with each other anymore. And we all just use very practical, basic interventions that can be performed at home. I mean, who can't go home and sit down and sing a hymn that you've known for 40 years? That's your that's your therapy. That's it. Yep, that's it. But you're talking, your words are coming out, you're not stressed out. And that building that confidence and that awareness means hopefully down the road things are gonna continue to improve.
0: Mm-hmm. Does she ever address anyone with swallowing problems?
2: Yeah, a lot. That's yeah, all the time. That's one of yeah. her areas of expertise. Didn't you read the, uh, the uh, bio? <laughs> the October's yeah, newsletter. Yes. So you I'm,
0: know, what? I'm on the side of the listeners right now. <laughs> Thanks helping out the Thank
3: listeners. You. Somebody's
2: got to look out for the. listeners. You're welcome. Listeners.
3: <laughs> So what's really neat in our area, and I'm not going to say it started in Austin, because I'm not even doing that. I think it started in Houston, is there is a mobile swallow study van. Do y'all have that up where you are? i mobile. Know swallow Swallows. study van. They have a radiologist on board, a speech therapist, and I think someone that just like cleans up and drives or whatever. It's fabulous. So they come out to the Hill Country where we are once a week on Thursdays, and this van can do a swallow study at the person's home, their home residence, or here at the clinic there's a speech language pathologist and y'all are going to love this person's name her name was bobby k like here we go to deep south right she she's a fabulous speech language pathologist and we everyone down here knows her um she would perform the barium swallow then the results would be printed right off there with a disc um handed to karen karen was able to see the difficulty with the person swallowing and begin intervention right away so yes karen does a lot um she uses therapeutic Exercises. She uses sometimes vocal strengthening, a lot of the big and loud type strategies, and that might be all that I know because you know I'm not a speech-language pathologist. But she's she's lovely, and she does a great job with the clients. That's awesome. Yeah, and she's a preacher's kid, so she's a lot of trouble. <laughs>
2: So uh, kids, uh, you can donate to Nuggets Neurons. There's a QR code on the Podbean website. You can just scan it. And also there's a Venmo that you can do it. It's at neurons is our address or whatever you call it.
0: And, and thank you to all of you who have been
2: donating. We yes, appreciate it. It's very nice. And remember, 20% goes to the Brain Injury Association of America. Brain Injury Association of America. <laughs> Um, Twenty percent of it goes to that if you if you donate a little bit, and don't have to be a lot, be a little bit. In some ways, it's like just showing a little bit of appreciation if you're getting something out of it. Yeah, and and don't forget to join the Facebook group. That'll be helpful too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's good stuff.
2: You know, the music, like when people try to sing something, it comes from a different part of the brain than Broca's area. And uh, But I, I've never heard about cussing therapy. I'm pretty sure it's a different part of the brain. I <laughs> think it, yes. It's the first <laughs> thing that comes back often.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had an aphasia patient when I was living in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Totally aphasic, but she could say one word and she would just, not that one, no. <laughs> that might have been disturbing to the other patients. That's funny. But she would just change her voice inflection with that exact same word over and over to where I got to where I could understand what she needed. She Mm -hmm. needed the rest Mm based on voice inflection. I don't know that she ever learned any other word.
3: But at the same time, if that's the only word somebody can say, like as far as I'm, as far as I think about it, they're talking, they're communicating with you. They're not stressed out. Right. So if they want to say whatever word they need to say, I'm going to say it right back to them. We're going to laugh and we'll have a good time. And then hopefully I'm going to, you know, Add another word at the end or at the beginning, and let's start making some short phrases out of it. Right. Beat them where they are. If
2: they can. So, what's the deal with Austin? I used to live in Austin.
3: (laughs) Well, that explains what's wrong with you. (laughs) (laughs) He's a liberal. (laughs) (laughs) You see my Facebook post having you. Hey, you're the one from
2: Bernie. (laughs)
1: When were you in Austin, Pete?
2: Yeah. Uh, late 80s, early 90s. So the, um, I
1: was there from 92 to 94 five it's a totally different city yeah
2: oh my gosh yeah i've been there it's so busy yeah Yeah, it's just too
3: busy that's the problem we don't care liberal stuff whatever but the traffic the number of people just oh it used to be part of the hill country it really was and now it's so busy it's so bad yeah yeah.
2: sixth street is just dwarfed by these ginormous buildings it doesn't look right it's like really hey we're at google um we wanted to move to Austin to be hip. So go down to the valley there in Sixth Street and have your burritos and listen to some music right. and then get back up to your
1: monitor. Yeah, I haven't been there and forever. I think a lot of that closed during COVID as well. A lot of the restaurants and bars and you know, we used to go wander down and listen to music and I think a lot of that's gone. Oh
2: man. With yeah. the six pack, you can walk around with the with like a bucket of beer.
3: Right. It's Texas. You can do that anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Not
1: with
2: a gun. <laughs> Not with a
3: gun. <laughs> Not even a Nerf gun? No, you can use a Nerf gun. That's fine. That's legit.
2: <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, doesn't somebody have a play to go to? I. I do.
3: I do. But this has been fun. I just, when I got to do this and today when I was, or yesterday I was writing your email, I just hope if there's anybody that's listening that wants to open their own clinic, do it. It's going to suck. going to be hard but do it because one day your life does end and it's better to look back and say i tried and i failed or i tried and i jumped and it worked and it's working it, it started off so small and there was no finances behind it there was the, the thought process behind it was the thought process behind starting it would but i never knew the amount of work it would take And people just kept walking into my life that made it where it is today. So I might have had the idea, but the therapist that came in made it what it is. And the fact that we're able to treat um, one-on-one and do the best that we can um, has made all the difference. And so I I hope someone out there listening just understands that you are blessed to do a certain job and you'll be a blessing to somebody else. And at the end of your life, it'll make it all worth it.
2: (laughs) Thank you. You know, we need a teaser quote at the beginning of these things. I think that might have written itself.
0: (laughs) So in the email that you sent us, you mentioned vestibular rehab. And I think that's Suzanne. Yes. Yes. So, can you tell us what you do for that?
3: Yes. <laughs> may, may, hey Deb, make the make the question more specific. Do you want to make it more to towards me? Yeah. Um, Wait.
2: What I am, am I supposed to do? We're <laughs> supposed to make it more specific, but I don't know if we know enough about it to well, make it more specific. Uh, so, when
0: you? you, I have an idea. So, when you, <laughs>
1: um,
0: so vestibular rehab is a specialty of yours, Suzanne. Yes. Now, when you're the patients that you're working with. Are they people who've had a stroke? Are they someone who has BPPV? Um, Both?
1: Um, Yes. So I started doing vestibular rehab out of necessity, really, we had a lot of patients coming in with symptoms of dizziness. We learn about vestibular rehab in school, but the nuts and bolts of actually applying it, I think, are a little bit harder, and the diagnostics for it aren't as straightforward as you would hope they would be. So I got certified, I think, three or four years ago to do vestibular therapy. My best day is when the patient comes in, they're dizzy, they're symptoms are consistent with BPPV, which is benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. I can treat it using cannula three positioning, get those crystals back where they belong they leave here, they come back for follow up. I felt horrible that day. But the next day I felt great. And I haven't been dizzy since then. We have, I can't think of anything else that we treat as PTs, because I don't do um, manual therapy things, where patients get that sort of immediate relief. So I love that. Then there are the patients who come in and they say, I'm dizzy, and they describe their symptoms. It's consistent with BPPV, but I also have neck pain, and I get migraines because there is such a thing as vestibular migraines. And I've had a stroke and I'm diabetic. And I go, oh, gosh. And just like with any other patient, you start, you treat them for the BPPV and hope that's one of the things because it's easy. It's fast they feel better. And then you go from there. Um, So many times people are dizzy and it can be because of a stroke because BPPV can be caused by poor circulation that strokes have or or impaired circulation or changed circulation. So I have treated patients who have had BPPV because of strokes. Most of the time, stroke dizziness is not because of BPPV which sucks because then it's harder. I have a patient right now, the one who stands with his heels against the wall with the bad midline alignment. He's dizzy all the time. And I think it's where he had his stroke and I think he's going to have to live with it. I'm hoping by improving that alignment and making that midline better that his dizziness will improve because he won't have that abnormal sense of his head not being right on his body all the time which can cause dizziness. And I'm also doing eye exercises with him, hoping that if we do a lot of tracking and we work on his vestibular ocular reflex, he'll get less dizzy when he rides in the car, which is one of his big complaints. See, this is a long answer. <laughs> I told you. It's a great answer. Um and then the last thing for him is that we're working on and there's, I don't know how many studies there are to back this up. I've been so busy. I honestly haven't kept up with my reading, but if I do enough habituation exercises with him, which is part of a cellular rehab, if I can't change what's happened in your ear, then let's just get your brain used to how it feels so it doesn't make you as dizzy. So we get to do fun things like head circles, with your eyes open, head circles with your eyes closed, um, rolling on the wall, walking with head turns, and I'm working with him with all that and nothing's getting better. So then I have to think to myself, gosh, his stroke affected, it's in his cerebellum somewhere, it had to have affected his body awareness, sense of uprightness. I don't know that I can change this. So unlike BPPV, which yay, it's better. This is uh, what are we going to do to make you safe so you don't fall?
0: Mm -hmm. Long answer. Yeah. Well, there are multiple reasons why people experience dizziness and need help. When you talked about your certification, can you talk? Can you? Oh, my God, that was tough. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: So I did, I have my big binder, Jen. Oh, my computer's sitting on it. Yeah, you left it right next to your computer. Yeah, from the American Institute of Florida. Um, It was a weekend long course. I did this certification and then I did also did concussion. Certification at the same time because the result of concussions many times is BPPV, and then longer term cognitive and balance deficits because you know your brain needs that time to heal. Talking about football and those chronic injuries that football players sustain. The course was really good. I learned a lot. I feel like every time I treat a dizzy patient, I go back to this big thick binder I have and I have to look something up and I learn something new. So it was great in the fact that it gave me the information, but the execution of it It is day to day every day looking it up Uh,
2: what was the name of the course again you kind of rumpled oh sorry whatever yes whatever it was
1: it's vestibular rehabilitation and concussion and it's through the american institute of balance in florida and you can access their website at dizzy.com
2: what yes the perfect (laughs) url I know. I would like that for not dizzy. I know. Just because it's cool.
1: It's cool, right?
2: Okay, I will take that and I will plunk that in somewhere before we say goodbye. Okay. Will that work? (laughs) Thank you for that. Yeah.
1: If you can fit that in there, (laughs) that's fine.
2: It'll be a separate show, but that's okay.
1: (laughs) I know, right? Well, they have one (laughs) show on
2: vestibular (laughs) rehab.
1: I know. (laughs)
2: well thanks so much guys you're
0: welcome thank you
2: we really appreciate it and if you ever want to come on again maybe you got Mm -hmm. a new piece of equipment maybe you don't (laughs) you just want to talk (laughs) we're here for you
3: well, thank you all both for being so hospitable and answering my questions and easing both of our nerves. Because anything you told me, Pete, I would relay to Suzanne and Deb. Your email and your questions made it also, I knew it was going to come. <laughs> so thank you for that. Thank right. you.
0: Yeah. This was great. We
3: hope so. We, we're not as smart as the researchers, but oh. we do have a. No, <laughs> we were like, what are we
1: going to talk about?
0: We don't even know. <laughs>
1: Sometimes we can't even think of words. <laughs>
0: We happens to us too. We can't yeah. think of words either.
3: Well,
0: thank
3: you all. Yeah. Have Thanks. fun tonight. Thank you for letting us come on tonight. It's been our
1: pleasure. It has been fun. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We appreciate your support and would love to hear from you. Ask us questions and share your thoughts by email at neurons at gmail.com. That's noggins, the word and spelled out, neurons at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with others you think will benefit. Also be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We'll catch you next time on Noggins and Neurons, Stroke and TBI Recovery Simplified.